I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is filmmaker Arthur Egley, and we're going to talk about his new film, The Black Emperor of Broadway. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Janine. I had a chance to watch the movie. I loved it. This is a true story, right? It is. How did it come about for you? Well, I live in Provincetown, Massachusetts, and if you're from this area, you know that Eugene O'Neill got his start here. And I'm sure many of your listeners and know who Eugene O'Neill is. If you don't, he was pretty much the father of American theater. The archetypes like James Dean and Marlon Brando, those were Eugene O'Neill characters that he created as early as 1920. I didn't know and that. And he was it. And he was the bomb. He was the bomb. And um, so we're, we're preparing this movie to do a bio of him, which is a very flattering bio of him. And then my friend calls me from North Carolina and says, I just saw this play, Arthur, um, my co-writer, Ian Bowater. Okay. And he says, uh, you got to see this play before we write another word. And this play was about um, O'Neill's producing The Emperor Jones, which was a breakout play because he cast a Black actor to play a Black part, which seems rather odd to us now, but that was experimental at the time, instead of casting a white actor wearing black face. Sure. And the way he treated this actor was just in a way make your skin crawl. First he used him to get famous and then he fires him because he won't say a certain word. Your involvement in this film, from the writing to producing, what was that? Tell me your role in this basically. I was basically, um, the producer and director. And, you know, I have my opinions about the writing, but I leave that to people that can write better than me. Okay. Um, Ian Bowater is one of those writers. And, um, you know, I guide them and tell them what I need. And it really comes down to a movie, a small movie. You're like, what can you imagine and what can you actually film? Yes. <laughs> this film takes place in 1921. Um, and we live in a, an old town, but you have to be just careful, you know, where you, what you're going to shoot and how you're going to show it without, you know, so you don't look like you're faking it. Right. Tell me about casting. Were you involved in the casting? I was, um, I'm an artist, as you know, and one of my art collectors happened to be a kind of a legendary casting director named Mary Jo Slater. And she said, um, you know, maybe I can help you out, Arthur. Um, I think I don't think she was expecting to really like the script like she did. She says, this script needs a good cast. Yes. And she guided us casting those leads because Eugene O'Neill, I mean, a mythic figure, um, Charles Gilpin, who played Emperor Jones, another, he must have been, you know, so incredible because he pretty much changed history. I mean, he opened the door for every other um, Black actor to be the lead after him. That's unbelievable. Yeah, because he was the first African-American dramatic star in a lead role on Broadway. Yes, exactly. And um, he was um, Charles Gilpin. And, you know, he needed to be three things. He needed to be Gilpin at home with his wife. Who was that? We had to invent that. He had to be Gilpin, the professional who goes to auditions and what's his avatar there. And then he had to be this racist dictator that Eugene O'Neill created mm -hmm. for him to be. And then he had to like 
in a way, decide what that he was going to stand up to who was becoming a, a world famous, you know, playwright, Eugene yeah. O'Neill. Now, the star of this is Sean Parks. Sean Parks. He was wonderful. An English actor. Um, Mary just later um, gave me a list and I said, um, I think this might be my guy right away. And she says, oh, you're not going to get him. You know, he's in London. He's doing this and that. And, um, and pretty much um, Sean, it must have been like six hours later, he called me and said, um, um, told his agent to start talking to me. <laughs> so He knew it too. He knew it was right for him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now it's had a successful uh, festival run that included Greenwich International Film Festival, Brooklyn International Film Festival, Macon Film Festival, Harlem International Film Festival. Where else? Um, Boston, Richmond. Um, I got to say, when you say that list, the one that I was really proud, mostly most proud of, I mean, all of them, of course, but when Harlem invited us, I, you know, obviously I'm a white producer and this is a black subject. So yes. I, I'd say there was a lot of some suspicion that I was doing it or maybe I wouldn't do it right or, um, but I feel like this was a story that was an O'Neill story and a Charles Gilpin story. And, you know, I could tell this story. And um, mm -hmm. when Harlan invited us, I thought like, you know, that's, that's the audience I want to see it. I want them to accept our movie. and you know, for what it is. And on the other hand, the movie's not like, you know, bad medicine. You saw the movie. It's not like, yeah. I think some white people think, oh, I don't want to hear about bad white people. And I'm like, it's not about that either. It's a story of what happened. But the truth is, at the time, white people were bad and they mistreated black people. I mean, they still do. And so they do look at the history and the patterns in a sense, you know. Exactly. And I think that um that's what the story is kind of timeless because um, you know, Nigel Cora played Gilpin's wife. I loved she, her. She's unbelievable. Yeah. Found her by accident almost. And really. Um, yeah, someone said, um, you know, one of the other casters says, you know, you're looking for Gilpin's wife. And I, I know this um, woman I went to Juilliard with and I saw her reel for maybe, you know, you know, when they're doing their reel and no one's talking, she's just waiting there to do her little thing. And, and yes. you can see her going through all these expressions in her face, like um, telling a story that she was about to tell. And I was mm -hmm. like, that's the character. That's the person. She, not only is she stunning, but she's a captivating actress. She is. And I appreciate really good acting, excellent filmmaking. I mean, she was fantastic. Just fantastic. And she brought sympathy to him and her. And um, yeah. back to the thing, she says that she'd go to projects to audition and, you know, there would be the language in the script. And you're sitting there and you want the role. And do you say what they're making you say, even though it doesn't seem like you ought to say this? Right. Um, I mean, what is the decision that Charles Gilpin had to make? He was on the, on his way, his dreams were coming true. And then mm -hmm. to finally decide, um, you know, I shouldn't say this word anymore. And then, um, right. and then, and then Paul Robeson becomes famous because he pays the way. And mm -hmm. it was, um, it's crazy. 
He wouldn't compromise himself as an actor and for his people. He wouldn't. And um, it's, um, you know, when I first saw the play or Ian said, you got to see this play. He sends me the script and um, um, I'm reading it. I'm like, this is kind of a Shakespearean hero. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. his, he's got this flaw in a way. And it's not a flaw. It's only a flaw within his world. In mm-hmm. our world, looking at it, we're like that. Is inner strength. Yeah. 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 I could imagine, we talked about this a few minutes ago, but you probably felt the pressure of being a white man telling the story. Um, did you did you lose that? Like, did you push that aside or was that always with you? Um, always with me and still. And <laughs> still mm. now there were- Sure, when, especially when you're doing interviews, you know? Yeah. Like, why well, you, why, why you, Arthur, telling the story? Yeah, giving me feedback and things like that, you know, feedback and um, during the production, you know, um, you know, I really hadn't worked with that many um, black actors or black crew ever before. And um, there's something, you know, about like um, the black experience that, you know, I, I'm never going to appreciate as a white person fully because I'm not black. But mm-hmm. when you see like, you know, you see in an interaction or something that you see someone like prejudging somebody before they even said a word and you're like um you know it's kind of awful and you realize that that actor or that crew person has to work extra hard to like be accepted because yes. um that we don't have i don't you know i have an art gallery here in provincetown and i interact with everyone freely and you know, it's just like this assumed we're from the same, you know, same world. Um, and I don't think, you know, a lot of act, black actors don't get that. You sure. Know. I think the time, timing of your film is great because here we are, I feel we're in a pandemic, but more so we had an awakening with the death of George Floyd. I think most people had an awakening to the horrific treatment of black people in 2020 and how a lot of things have not changed. So for you to have this film come out and deal with these themes is a, is a good thing. It's a great timing. Thank you. And I hope some of your listeners will go check it out. And, you know, cause I, I, I agree that it's, um, you know, that when I, we talk about that though, in a way, like, you know, I start, started this project three years ago, it seemed like almost, every couple, three months, there was some incident that yes. kind of reflected what was going on in our film. And um, right. wow, George Floyd's was just like, it was, you know, it was so obvious. It was like, a, um, I wrote an op-ed for um, one of the papers. And, you know, when I was younger in Maryland, um, the word that's in the film was like thrown around in certain circles. And, you know, I knew it wasn't okay to say it. My brother didn't know what to say it. But I gotta say it once in a while, you you try to be the big important person. You were like nine or 10 and that word might come out of your mouth. And you don't realize then what how, there is no other word in English language that we have that has the, you know, the gravity of that world. There, there is, we, we don't even, here we are talking Janine and we don't dare to even say it. No. You know, we, we don't say it, and it's um. And I think um, Charles Gilpin in the movie. I mean, 
I think he knew it from the start. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to give too much away about the film, but is there anything you would like to just give the listeners um, or the viewers little tidbits of the film without giving too much away? Um, to, to make me think of something, <laughs> I have to think of something, but it's, um, um, what's, what's funny about the whole project is that everybody will say to me like, um, oh, they assume it's about Paul Robeson. They, oh. I know Paul Robeson, oh, it's his story. He was in the movie, Emperor Jones, he was this and that, right? Okay. And it's so well documented that Jasper Dieter, who was really the cutting, like the head of the spear with the little Provincetown players, they were this, you know, experimental group. He was encouraging, you know, Neil says, you, you, you've got to get, um, you know, a really good black actor for this. You don't want to get somebody who's inexperienced. And there are, he says, there are a lot of them. I mean, after this movie starts, Jasper Dieter opens up Hedgerow Theater in Pennsylvania. And like, that's what he does, you know, produce some, you know, black plays. Yeah. Um, but he goes to Charles Gilpin and it's well documented that Charles Gilpin almost threw him out of the hotel when he brought up the project. He says, you want me to play this Emperor Jones who's like all the, embodies all the stereotypes um, of the day, you know, yeah. of um, right. the, the black man, um, no way. And um, so he turns it down and then Jasper Dieter goes to um, Charles Gilpin and Charles Gilpin's, you know, so thinking himself, okay, I can be the lead and the play. Which is what he wanted. This is what he wanted his whole life. Mm -hmm. And it shows everything I can do. Yeah. Yeah. So where can people find out more about you and, and the film? Um, our Facebook page, of course, uh, Black Emperor Broadway, and the, the website, um, uh, Black Emperor. And of course, um, um, if you Google the movie of Black Emperor, you know, we're getting some good press and thank you for this interview and um, trying to get the word out there to see it. It's just, um, you know, it's with an independent film like this, it's a small film. And frankly, it's a project that um, if I didn't make it or some other small filmmaker, it just would not get made because it's, you know, I don't know what it is about these stories. They're just they're powerful stories, but you know, people think that there's not enough audience for them. So please out there, prove me, prove them wrong and see the film. It's, um, you can see it on Amazon or iTunes. Um, Google Play, Xbox. Yeah, you can Xbox, get all yeah, art, Xfinity, all those places and you can yeah. check out the film. And um, you know, I think you will, you will like the film. I, I think it's, um, you know, it's a, it, we have, it's just, there's fun moments and there's, you know, Touching moments. Yeah. No, it's wonderful. I, I put all your info and the link to, to watch it on my show blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Let me ask you one more thing. Maybe along the way you had some self-doubt about getting this film made, moving it along, getting it done. Um, how did you take care of yourself during this process if you did have moments of self-doubt? Um a really good question and i did some research on you janine too <laughs> i see that um, there she goes asking that get the funk out question <laughs> really good question Thank and you. um you know i've been an artist my entire life i'm you know 56 now um the minute i got out of structured school 
it was like I'm preparing myself for this moment mm. of making this movie. You know, how to like wake up and tell yourself what to do and make your own agenda and lie there in bed and go, if I could do nothing else today in the world, what would I choose to do? Mm. And you make that choice and then you do that. And then in order to do that, like I'm mostly a painter and I paint, I make sure everything in my surroundings in my life encourages me to make that painting. The, my paints are ready, it's, it's blank, it's a blank canvas. I'm healthy, I'm rested. The phone is um, off. The phone is off, everything you need to like, so when I feel the energy to go paint, I, it's already there. So. And then it becomes a habit of, you know, then also it's a habit. Um, mm -hmm. I can say, make, you know, making a film like this where people are, you know, angry at you before you even start, mm. people encouraging you also, but, um, you know, you have to believe in yourself and it's like, um, yeah, you have to have an ego. And if you don't have an ego, you won't do anything. So right, things um, wouldn't get done in this world. It wouldn't get done at all. So it's yeah. um, it's good and bad at the same time. I mean, it's um. In a, in a movie like this, it's fun watching a character, like an actor, like who's keeping himself going. He's just about to give up, and then he gets that, you know, gets that break, mm -hmm. and um, and he's and he's ready, mm -hmm. you know, he's ready. But then again, you know, I don't think his wife probably really was scared. You know, she was scared of their future. Yes. Yeah. That's great. And thank you for um, giving me such a great response. That could really be relevant to a lot of people, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, um, you know, I have art students and I, I talk to everything. And, I, and you know, it's, um, it's a whole life process being a creative person. And, you know. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And on the other hand, you got to survive and you got to make a living. So right. somehow you got to make that channel into what into what you're doing in um right you know the, the the funny thing i always hear is like these artists and he works all night until he's exhausted and falls asleep at the easel or the typewriter and i'm like i'm like not so not so. no no <laughs> you can work for if you're working for months on something which is what's going to happen yes says, you can't be tired you can't be hung over you can't no. be anything no yeah, you have to be ready to go. Ready. Like, it's like an athlete. It's just training yourself to be disciplined. You know, I'll share something with you. I get up early in the morning, sometimes 5.30. And what's on my mind is to work on a script, on a short script. Not because anybody's chasing me down and I have a deadline. I put my own deadline. And I, you just have this idea for a story and you want to get this done. And that's what drives me is my own creativity, my own passion, the stories I create in my head. And that creates optimism, especially right now. And unfortunately, anything in your world that's making you not do that, it's got to go. I know. <laughs> got to go. It's like um, excluding family, <laughs> but but it's you know you have to you, you have to be you know has dear to, family, you have to, you have to go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, cool. Uh, give your website one more time. Um, blackemperor.com. Okay. And um, God, I hope that's the website. 
Starquest. <laughs> Black Emperor Broadway. Wait Google. a minute. It's three hours ahead for you. I have an excuse. Well, okay. <laughs> well, here's um, a beautiful day in Provincetown. The colors are changing. It's um, it's a great time of year here. That's nice. We're having, a, we're having what's called storm tide, which is an odd lunar event where the tide's much higher than normal. So everybody's kind of watching the edge of the water, make sure it doesn't get too high. Sure. Do you live right on the water or close to the water? We live across the street from the water, but it's yeah. um, it's almost like you can sense the water being high because everywhere you look, you see water where you didn't. Ooh. It's, uh, yeah. And it's um, it's cyclical, you know. It's um, when our team, when our director of photography came, and he was from like Midland, Texas, um, and he saw the dramatic tide here. He was like, "Oh my god, what is that?" And I'm like, "That's the tide. That's the ocean. <laughs> it's getting closer. It's getting closer, and it get, will get much closer." I hope you like water beds. <laughs> do you live there year round? I do. I have uh, I have two kids and. I used to live in Pasadena, California, and okay. at a certain point, you know, you got to decide, you know, where your kids going to be are going to be raised. Right. And it was just um, my life was little too shaky in Pasadena. Even though I was a successful artist, it was too shaky to continue uh, to rely on that. And what's funny about that is that for all you listeners out there too, is that. As soon as I left LA and made that decision to move away, where my expenses were like, you know, one tenth of the, they were in Pasadena, um, I got my I got another feature film, wow. and then I got another feature film, and then I did this feature film, and my entire LA story is Arthur trying to do a feature film, and you know. Never happened, but I did find the love of my life and had a family and started getting those things that like make real life richer. Sure. And then um which makes LA, you happier and more creative, I think. Makes you happier and more creative. And then all of a sudden out of LA and that pressure and that story and mm-hmm. no, that's not a good story. No, make a movie about this. And I'm like, here I am, make the most obscure story and getting some traction with this obscure story. Mm-hmm. Which if I was in LA they would have slapped me down like, go, are you kidding me? Right. How many, how many murders in the first 10 minutes? No. Not interested, right. <laughs> Not interested. How many affairs and Botox yeah. jobs? Yes. <laughs> and no fast cars? Oh, come on. Period piece? No. Anyway. Well, it's so interesting because sometimes you do have to switch where you live. I used to live in Brooklyn, I was saying for 12 years and I moved here in 2000. I'm a completely different person with a completely different career. I was in training and development. I'm not in that now. I mean, I use some of that skill set, but it, you sometimes you get this inkling that there's something else for you and you have to pick up an uproot and go somewhere else, right? I agree, I totally agree. Yeah. You have to like, um, you know, because the ride doesn't last forever. So we got to take advantage of it. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Over here. Anyway, one last thing. I know you get last thing. Go ahead. My new film is about the 1991 robbery of the Isabel Gardner Museum in Boston. Whoa. So stay tuned for that. Yes. You are more than welcome to come back on for that one or anything else you have going on. Fantastic. And are you on social media? Is Arthur or... You're on yeah, Arthur, Arthur Egley, um, social media and um, Instagram. And of course, you'll see a lot of Egley Gallery is my um, day job. That's where we are right now. 
you can see all the paintings yeah. all around here. We're in the gallery. Oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah, so here we are and um, downstairs. And luckily, despite the pandemic, people need paintings in their house. Right. So they need a diversion. They need something to look at when they're sitting there yes. wondering what's going to happen. That's right. That's right. One quick thing, what are you doing to take care of yourself during the pandemic? Have you been in a relatively positive mindset or have there been times when it's a little down? Um, I've been in a relatively positive mindset because I think um, I, I can paint and do mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Things like that. I, it, it was a little heavy on my son and my daughter. You know, it, they just it took them so long to get used to not seeing their friends and being remote yeah. learning. It was so hard. Know, my, it was so sad. My son said to me, he was like 11 said, dad, I just want to go back the way, the way it was. Yeah. And you're, um, and you're trying to explain this to him, but you can't. Right. And um, the exciting thing was he went back to, they're only going back two days a week, but it was the most exciting day of his life going back to school just for two days for three hours. Right. So um, yeah. I don't blame them. Yeah. All right. Well, I have really enjoyed this. I'll let you run. Thank you so much. Congratulations. And let's stay in touch. Thank you, Jean. Thank you for having me.